Reaction. 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 Nice. Gold dust. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Reaction by Home Things. Today, I'm sat with Amy Nguyen. Yes, nailed it. Who is the human <laughs> behind Sustainable and Social, which is a platform for the sustainably curious. Amy, it's a pleasure. Good morning. Good, Good morning, morning and happy Friday. Happy Friday. Oh my gosh, it's loving that it's Friday. And also nearly International Women's Day, even though this is going to come out after, but fun. Yes, we love women. <laughs> we adore women. So before we get going, because I want to know all about your platform and about you and about what you do, tell me your bonkers bits of the week. Okay, so I did my homework and I had a little think on this. I I have one corona related and one uncorona related. <laughs> Very topical. So my corona related is firstly, why am I being told to wash my hands? That is bonkers. I've known that for so long. I don't need to be told by the health secretary. Oh my god, so true. To wash my hands. So true. And it's like if people are waking up to washing their hands, gross, what have you been doing? For your entire life anyway. How are you not sick already? I don't know. It's, it's quite scary. Bizarre. And then related to that on the sustainability front is um, I recently seen uh, graphs and kind of like satellite images of China and how where all the factories are in China, all the pollution is slowly lifting because obviously production has come to a close because no one's buying anything from China. And you can just kind of see this like clean air all over again. So oh I thought gosh. that's that's quite bonkers. That is bonkers. I love that. Do you know, it's, it's a tough one stuff like that, isn't it? Because it's like, is it a good thing? Is it not a good thing? You know, on the one hand, coronavirus, <laughs> not good. On the other hand, lower pollution, fantastic. So... <laughs> Tricky, tricky. Let's not go down that route. So mine is not at all knowledgeable, but I thought it was a bit interesting. Might be a bit dark. It's that go for it. <laughs> if you keep a goldfish in a dark room, it goes pale. Did you know that? <laughs> no. Who's <laughs> your source of information for that? Just one? the uh, the older uh, apps called Facts.com. <laughs> And that one came up. That was the first one I saw. And I was like, that is quite bonkers. But then I don't know if that's cruel. You know, should you be keeping the goldfish in the dark room? Is that mean? I don't know if fish need vitamin D or not. Biology's not really my forte. Me neither. <laughs> Let's not go down that route, shall we? <laughs> Let's move on. Let's stick to what Let's, we're good at. <laughs> Let's go back to sustainability, not marine life. So, <laughs> Amy, why don't you start by telling me just a little bit about you as like a person? Like, tell me about yourself. Great. So, I am currently living in Hampshire. I've lived in London as well. I've also lived in Milan and Asia as well in the Philippines. Um, I've recently um, decided to leave my job. I worked in the luxury beauty industry for a while. Um, prior to that, I I mean, I've done a BA in history and a, an MSc in international business and management as well. Um, and I've worked in like marketing and comms and things like that. So yeah, it's been a bit of a journey. That's really exciting. So how come you've lived all over the world? That's really exciting. I mean, partly for my dad's job. And then also I lived in Milan when I was completing my master's, um, which is part of the reason why I became so inspired with um, sustainability. That's amazing. And off topic, but if you had to pick one of the places that you've already lived before mm. to kind of settle forever, if you had one ticket, not allowed to come back, where would you pick to, to live the rest of your life? I mean, I if I had to pick, then I'd pick the Philippines, obviously. Um if if it was a place I hadn't visited, it would be Vietnam because my dad is from there, and nice. I mean, oh, 
it's just a home away from home. <laughs> I think I've left my head and my heart in the rice paddies of Vietnam. So take me there. <laughs> take me there. Never take me back. I love that. So let's talk about, I'm going to guess, I'm making a leaping judgment here, that you left your job to do sustainable and social. Yes or no? Uh, partly yes, partly yes. I'm really kind of dedicated to creating a life that revolves around sustainability, I think. We all work so hard, especially in London, and I think you need to wake up and have purpose to your everyday to your everyday life and find that within that. And if it's not, then absolutely no, I agree. Go, <laughs> go and don't. So, <laughs> tell me about sustainable and social then, because I obviously I found it. That's why I contacted you because I thought it was really interesting and really inspiring. But for people who may not have come across it, how would you sum it up? What was the inspiration behind doing it, and and where are you now with it? Great, sure. So, sustainable and social started as um, an idea that. I kind of had when I came back from my master's so I did international business and management and focused particularly on green management and sustainability corporate social responsibility fashion and luxury management and also the very very complex topic of global supply chains um, and within that lots of conversations were cropping up we looked at climate economics we had um, this incredible guy called Frank Rays from the European Commission come in and give this talk on climate science and climate change and I just sat there and really I I knew the basics but I didn't understand the the severity and like the gravity of what is actually happening to our planet so this kind of sparked like sparked like little little nodes in my brain I was like wait a minute what's going on and at the same time in in fashion we were looking at global value chains and outsourcing and how these mass mass market retailers you look at Inditex who you know own Zara, Palimber, Massimo Dutti how they're basically chasing the cheapest cost of labor for someone else to profit so you know you see a girl in Cambodia who earns less than 30p 30p an hour if that and then you see Amancio Ortega who is one of the richest men in the world who owns Inditex and you're like excuse me <laughs> Mm, not sure that's quite right so the amalgamation of these two things I started writing a lot I've always been really interested in writing I was a um, fashion and beauty editor at um, the Mancunian which was Manchester's um, newspaper and things like that I was like well I kind of just want to break down these complex issues that we're going through and really convey that to like my friends at first they were like whoa this is interesting and then lots of people and then my family are like, okay and then and then slowly it started trickling down and that's kind of where it all started and it's just stemmed from there and the network has really grown so it is mostly on the platform of the website but social channels too definitely so how long ago what exact date was it born was there like an oh. exact date that you remember when you're like i'm going to launch this and it's going to become live in the world and especially yeah on the web? so it went live on Dece in december 2018 so it's only been like a year and a little it's bit a baby. so it is a little it's still in its infancy which is what makes it so exciting and i think when you start these things and i'm sure you see with your favorite websites and your favorite blogs as well they develop so much Absolutely. over over time and you know the direction of content might change and like so for six months it might just be about sustainable travel or you know exactly and that's actually what, something that I was going to ask is have you over those kind of 18 months two years have you seen it noticeably kind of change the direction of travel has it either been a conscious decision from you to say oh I started it with kind of this in mind and actually I want to take it more in this direction or have you just seen the natural progression as obviously 
you know, we become more educated and things become more topical and, you know, there's a bit of an awareness piece. How has that journey evolved from your perspective? So I think it really started with laying out the foundations. So you can see I have like the SNS decoded series. So that's breaking down all the kind of complex but fundamentals. So if we look at the sustainable sustainable development goals, or if we look at climate science, or if we look at things on a more financial spectrum, such as socially responsible investing, like where's where's the money from our pensions going why is that funding fossil fuels and then it kind of trickles down into you know how our everyday behaviors although they may seem like incremental they may seem really like insignificant can amass to something really really powerful in the pursuit of change so that's why you know it could be something light-hearted like okay well the sustainability of sequence and people might roll their eyes and think that's not (laughs) that's not important but no it is it's an everyday thing that we can change 100 Um, especially if you love sequence yeah (laughs) it was it was a bad breakup (laughs) it was a bad breakup um so things like that and i think looking at food and looking really um at other parts of the world especially in developing countries and how they're tackling sustainability issues i think that's something that i'm really keen to addressing having recently been to cambodia and vietnam for um january and seeing the work that they do i think is a really great juxtaposition of all the things that are going on in our current climate and then also on top of that i think the policy side for me is really important so kind of getting that across to my readers so I um, also write for Fashion Roundtable which basically champions um, diversity and sustainable fashion um, within the industry but also linking that with parliament because really it's important at a policy level as well so that's kind of why. Amazing so you cover so much so I think what is really important is about the decoding piece and especially so for today talking about the UN Sustainable Development Goals, because I think that's something you've done a lot of research into and something that, well, you have a a post about it on Sustainable and Social. And I thought it'd be a really interesting idea to just kind of have a bit of a crash course. Let's go through it. Let's talk about kind of what they are, why they're important. And I guess maybe kind of just for those people who aren't aware of them, because I pre kind of joining home things was definitely not aware of them at all. Why? it's a big awareness piece and why actually maybe more people should be aware of them. So I'm going to pass it over to you. Okay, so I think the first place that we really need to start is defining what sustainability actually is. Mm. We hear a lot of like ethical, green, (laughs) eco, thrifty. Conscious. Yeah, but what does does sustainability sustainability actually really mean? And if you break this down, um, as defined by the United Nations, it's about making and creating a safer operating space for like the present generation and the future generations as well so it's looking after the planet and all of our society so that we can thrive for you know centuries and centuries to come so i think that's really important to absolutely get to grips with first and then when we look at the un sustainable development goals so they're they're the 2030 sustainable development goals and they were agreed by over 169 parties and they essentially comprise of 17 goals and 169 targets so it's rather a lot but i mean quite in depth yeah but this is basically this spans from everything so this spans from ending poverty to sustainable economic growth and diversity um you know uh, ensuring great marine wildlife you know ensuring that we don't lose biodiversity and all of those things and they all kind of amalgamate together and form what we really think should be 
what sustainability is all about um so there's a lot of ground to cover but i think yes that is in essence it and they're used by governments institutions businesses as a framework as well so you may see lots of companies now that have corporate social responsibility reports or dedicated sustainability reports and lots of the time they'll use numbers 1 to 17 through to the framework so for instance how are they how are their operations ending poverty or you know um how are they trying to achieve inclusivity within their within their workforce and then outside of that as well how are they combating um the like crisis of climate and things like that so i think it's something that is obviously really important especially in today's kind of situation that we're in why do you think it is that they matter so much and why do you think it is something that needs to be I guess maybe adopted more because they're not businesses don't have to legally kind of commit to one do they no they don't have to commit to any kind of framework and I think that's where we come in as well I think in part it's us is I hate to say the word consumers because when we shouldn't be defined by the things that we buy Mm. but maybe the words like citizens as citizens that's what we really need to uh, voice our opinions on is why aren't our favorite businesses using this as their framework and we like rejigging their business model accordingly it's crucial but also in addition to us as citizens i think we really need to look at policy makers we need to look at the government like there's only so many times you can write your mp and be like listen (laughs) i want to i want to know what are you doing about this like the government have to do something and i think the government really need to put this into like absolute rigid force that companies should be abiding by the sustainable development goals they should be able to walk into you know a parliamentary committee and if someone questions them but okay what are you doing to you know preserve preserve marine wildlife think, okay i am doing xyz yeah exactly and but, be held accountable for it exactly accountable and responsible and really interestingly as well i think another thing on that policy note where the government really needs to take responsibility is the fact that the Environmental Audit Committee, they put out a fixing fashion report. This is just one example. They put out a fixing fashion report last year detailing all the all the problems with the fast fashion industry in the UK alone. We're talking like things like factory workers in Leicester get paid £3 an hour. You know, we talk about the environmental degradation of all these places in Indonesia due to the fact that our UK retailers just don't care. Um, They set out 18 recommendations for the government. This included like taxing on fast fashion, etc. And the government rejected every single one. That's crazy. That is actually crazy. So, uh, yeah, the government really need to... They need to listen to the podcast and step up. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> hey, Boris, if you're listening. <laughs> hey, Bojo, we're going to tweet you. Have a little read. I just, mm, stuff like that I just think is almost unacceptable. And also they can get away with things like that. And it's always passed back down to the consumers, the citizens. It's always kind of addressed as something that we should be doing. And of course, you're right. We absolutely should be doing stuff, can be doing stuff. It's about, you know, lobbying. It's about governments. It's about actual policymakers and big corporations and conglomerates who actually really have the power, the power to affect the yeah, power on a mass to... that's the thing because we you and i could say oh we're going to go vegan and we're not going to buy anything new and we're going to no buy any more single-use plastic but it actually needs to come from a much higher and bigger level a to give us i guess an option 
in mm. in what we how we live our lives, what we consume and what we do, yeah. but also, you know, they're the ones who can drive huge force and at a much faster level than us on the ground can realistically do so. And really, I th- I think you've hit the nail on the head there because the thing is within within the Sustainable Development Goals framework, the reason why it's twenty thirty is as agreed um, in the Paris Agreement in two thousand and fifteen. But all the all these countries got together. And they basically agreed, yeah, we'll curb global warming at two degrees. That'll stop you know rising sea levels, rising temperatures, um, displacement of people that have to leave their countries due to climate change two degrees isn't enough we need 1.5 degrees and to hit 1.5 degrees by 2030 we need absolute rigid like militant authoritarian measures and that includes things like cap and trade like taxing carbon effectively at the moment the government has said in their budget this year it's probably fossil fuels aren't going to be taxed anymore so oh, fossil fuel. Do you know what I feel? So like- how is that going? So I just don't understand how you can commit to that. It's like so Boris is going to commit to cutting diesel cars, but also you're not going to tax fossil fuels anymore. How does that work? I'm so glad that you mentioned that. So I went to um, a Bybee Beauty like sustainable summit for International Women's Day last night, and it was absolutely amazing. And but something that one of the speakers mentioned, which I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, that that conversation has like conveniently gone silent, is about fossil fuels. You know, it's something that we learned about in geography in like year seven about fossil fuels and how bad they were and how they're running out, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Something about drawing a little cartoon yes. of the ozone layer, and you're like, yeah, got it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, thank you, Mr. Bennett. Absolutely got that. But that that has like kind of gone very very quiet all the focus is on carbon at the moment and although yes of course carbon is something that we need to neutralize and focus on what about the fossil fuels like why is no one talking about that because that is a very real issue and something that people are just quite happy to gloss over now I know I think and that also comes into play I recently found out the bank that I've been banking with oh no funds fossil fuels so oh no is it Barclays <laughs> it's Barclays I knew it I can, do you know what I didn't even see the card there it is the evidence the evidence leave Barclays immediately and you know it's just crazy I so know. we need to look, we just need to really think about we just that. need to sort this shit out to be honest well that's it series two is done you made it to the end congratulations if you want some more things from home things because why wouldn't you you can go check us out on instagram it's get underscore home things or go onto our sneaky little website it's gethomethings.com and if you just can't wait to find out about when we're going to be launching our disinfectant non-toxic eco-friendly refillable divine cleaning products go onto our wait list it's really really easy and you'll get exclusive access to our kickstarter page Thank you.